Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, if you got healed in that moment, make, make sure you let somebody know. That wasn't supposed to be funny, but there you go. Sometimes, you know, you don't plan to be funny and you accidentally are. That's most of my life, actually. I don't plan to be funny, and, and I am. And every time I do plan to be funny, it's usually a big flop. So all of my prepared jokes, there's a couple of points where it says big joke in, in brackets. You probably won't laugh, but that's okay. I will. I'll think it's funny. Um, so as Debbie, Pastor Debbie said, um, my name is Mitch. Um, and I'm a Christian. Um, it's good, eh? You don't usually give um, non-Christians microphones in the church. Um, and as she said, my wife, Larissa, and I are the youth pastors. We have an amazing team of youth leaders and an incredible bunch of teenagers who um, who come along on their Friday nights instead of going and hanging out, with, you know, doing whatever else they could do. They come here and they learn about Jesus and, and we're going to change this region. Um, and so youth ministry is awesome. We love it. Um, I did not want to be a youth pastor, but God wanted me to. And now it's the best job in the world. Um, so there you go. Don't tell God that you don't like something because he'll make you love it. I love being a youth pastor, though, you guys, just so you know. Um, and we're also the um, creative pastors. And so I oversee the worship team and the production team. And, and they do such a fantastic job it's week in and week out. Um, they are the first ones here on a Sunday morning and often the last ones to leave. Yeah, I see you down the back, boys. Um, they're here um, regularly for practices during the week. And um, man, didn't Jess do an incredible job of leading us this morning? What an incredible... I've been at a conference all week, um, and the worship in that moment was just as powerful as anything that was happening in, in, in the conference. And so, I, yeah, I don't know where you are, Jess, but um, you did an awesome job there you are. So, like I said, we have... Um, we we work for church. Um, if you If you are a youth pastor and a creative pastor, um, that's pretty much all of your time. Um, because that you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So we we spend you know, church is kind of like um, a big part of our life. That and we have an almost two year old, um, and so the combination of those two um, keep us pretty busy. Um, I'm praying that before we have another one, we're not by the way, um, but before we have another one, Oakley knows that we need to have a house first and then baby. He started asking, but anyway, <laughs> he's awesome. We love him, um, but he has just started asking why. And, and his new favorite saying in the last few weeks is, Oakley, just Oakley do it. Hey, buddy, just Oakley do it. Um, in fact, he went to the doctor the other day with Larissa because they've both been um, unwell. And um, he was adamant that just Oakley was going to go and see the doctor. Not, 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 not Larissa, just he was going to go do it by himself. Um, and so he's at such a fun age. Um, he, he loves getting involved with whatever we're doing. And one of his favorite things to do, and or maybe it's my favorite thing to do with him, I don't know, 
but one of the things we do together often is we um, is we cook and prepare meals in the kitchen. And I, like I love cooking. I grew up cooking with my dad, and so um, I just you know it's something that I, I guess I love. I love cooking, and L- Larissa loves eating, so it works well. Um, I waited till she left the room to say that. Um, but. Out of all the dishes that um, that, are, that Oakley and I make together, our favorite is pizza. By far, our favorite is pizza. And I, I'm just going to say from the outset, I worked with an Italian pizza chef for two years. And so I'm real serious about pizza. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a serious thing. I'm about as serious about pizza as I am about politics. Um, and if you know me, <laughs> that's quite serious. Hey, Andre. Um... And so I won't say anything about pineapple or barbecue sauce because I don't want to offend anybody this early in the message. I want you to like me at this point in time. So Oakley and I, we love making pizza together. He loves all parts of it. He loves putting the ingredients in. He tips this, you know, tips the flour in and all that stuff. We love doing that. We make it from scratch. He loves make, doing that part. He loves stirring the bowl, mixing it all up together, and, and he loves kneading it. And by kneading it, I mean he loves pushing it down once, ripping off a hunk of raw dough and putting it in his mouth. Which stresses me out so like so much, but he he loves that for some reason. I don't know why I can't get him to eat broccoli. Like he'll happily eat raw pizza dough, which is nasty. But anyway, I don't know what that is. But his favorite thing by far, it doesn't make sense to me either. But his favorite thing by far is using the salt and pepper grinders um, in, in the in the dough. In fact, it doesn't matter what meal we. we we're making, he loves putting the salt in. We've got um, one of those wee grinders that um, does like has uh, pink Himalayan salt in it. And, um, and so he loves getting the wee grinder and, and, you know, grinding salt into everything. I usually have to put in more because he's, you know, he's small and weak. So his, um, the amount that he puts in is like minuscule, but he loves putting salt in things. It's his favorite thing. A couple of months ago, he, he grabs the salt shaker turns it upside down, and just gives it a big lick. And, like, instantly his face just goes, like, like he's, you know, had something that's sour, and he screws up his face, and his tongue does this thing there. Well, you know, when you know that you've had something that's way too salty, and so you're trying to, like, scrape it off your tongue with your teeth? He does that, and he grabs a cup of water and starts drinking. I don't think I've seen him drink that much water ever in his life. But, but he, he, he learned in that moment how disgusting too much salt can be. And too much salt is, is bad in almost every situation. The only exception is on KFC chips. Hear me now. KFC chips is no such thing as too much salt. But the only thing worse than too much salt, especially in the case of KFC chips, is a lack of or no salt at all. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Job, um, Job is probably the most theologically dense book uh, in the Bible, um, maybe second only to Romans. And this is what it says in the book of Job, Job 6, 6 through 7. You've got the reference, so you can go read it if you don't believe me here today. Check this out. Don't people complain about unsalted food? Most of Job is about complaining. Does anyone want the tasteless white of an egg? My appetite disappears when I look at it. I gag at the thought of eating it. It is theologically accurate to say today that a meal without salt is disgusting. And if you're someone that doesn't like salt, I'm really sorry. 
but it's, it's in the Bible. You need to start putting salt in your food. But Jesus, Jesus talks about salt as well. He, um, in Matthew 5, he's, he's about to give the Sermon of the Mount, on, on the Mount, which is pr- probably the greatest message ever preached. It's got the most um, stuff in it that any, any message, the most content any message has ever had. And he's, he's just starting it, and he, he, he goes from telling them all these ways to live, and he just has this quick moment where he kind of, I think it's maybe a bit of a pastoral moment, and he starts to call something out in the people around him. He's looking at these people who are around listening, and he says this. He, he talks about salt, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. He says this, You are the salt of the earth. Everybody say earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. Everybody say world. A town on a hill, uh, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. My message today for those taking notes is this is for everyone. This is for everyone. And to be honest, that doesn't have a lot to do with the actual content of my message. But I want you, if you're taking notes today, which I hope you are, if you are taking notes, I want the first thing that you see on there to remind you that this is for everyone and that you can't be disqualified from this today. So everything following what I say from now on, you need to know that you are qualified. Nothing could disqualify you from this. So let's pray together. Grab the hand of the person next to you. If you want to date them, give it a squeeze. And if they want to date you back, then they can squeeze it back. If you're married to the person, give them a double squeeze and you can figure out what that means. All right, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into this. Dear Jesus, help me real good. Um, God, I thank you for um, your word. God, I thank you that all of these people are here in church today, even though there was an all-black game, and even though there was, um, you know, the festival going on, but I thank you that people are here today, um, and God, I thank you that you have something to give. You have something for them to receive, to take home from my words today. Um, God, would you bless this message and help me from getting distracted this service? In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple of weeks ago, um, we did a series, Clean Hands and Pure Hearts, and Pastor Glenn and Pastor Debbie did a message each, and when Debbie was speaking, um, she read the scripture on salt and light, and God just gave me a quick download. He, he just distracted me for a moment, told, showed me a couple of things, and then um, I wrote them down. And, and so really what I want to do today is share a few thoughts from this passage of scripture, and then we can all go at home in time for lunch. Amen? So number one, the first thing that you can see from this passage of scripture today, the one about salt and light, not the one about unsalted food. From this passage, the first thing that you can see is this. You have a purpose. It's to be salt and light. We'll talk about that soon. But actually, the first thing is that you have a purpose. Not you, the pastor. Not you, the worship leader. Not you, the host team leader. Not not you, the ministry leader. Not you, the the evangelist. But 
you, like you, everybody, the, the, like you're, we're all included. This is for everyone. And, and you have a purpose and God's thinking about it. God thinks about you. He's, he's thinking about your tomorrow. You maybe you didn't know that here today, but God is actually thinking about your tomorrow. He he he's one. He, he's he's got plans and and a purpose for your life. And I think I hope that you've been told that before today. And if you haven't, then I'm so glad that I get to tell you that. But if you ha- if 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 you've been told that, I suspect that there are a few people that are here this morning, and you're saying, do you know what I? I know that God has a purpose. He has a plan for my life. But I don't have a word. I don't have something that I'm going off. I don't know where he's leading me. I don't have a direction. And I felt like I was supposed to tell somebody today that you may not have a word for your life, but actually you have the word of life in this book today. And maybe you don't have a prophetic word. You don't have a word where God has said, man, this is what your future is going to look like. Here are the three steps you need to take to get there. But actually, if you start to read this book and you read it and you and you apply it, you'd be like the person who built his life on the rock, who heard the word and did what it said, that actually I think you might stumble into your purpose on the way. In fact, I heard a story this last week of Thomas Jefferson. He, he was one of the forefathers of the United States. And quick side note, and a bit of confession, I thought forefathers, the forefathers of the United States literally meant like four fathers. Like I I thought that's what they were talking about. Um, And it wasn't until last year when I was reading about church history and I saw the the word crop up again, the forefathers of, of the church, and I was like, Damn, why does everything have four, four, you know, four men starting it? What, what is going on? And I was only then that I realized that it was just a term used for the founders of something. Um, so there you go. Forefathers, that might have blown your mind today. Maybe you've been wondering that your whole life. So Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States, he took a Bible while he was president took a Bible, and he cut out 80 of what he thought were Jesus' best teachings. Now, I wouldn't want to judge Jesus' teaching, um, but he did. That's cool. Um, And so he cut out 80 of his moral teachings, of his life application teachings. And for every day of his life, he read these words. He read what Jesus said to do in in life, in in every situation. And and he, he talked about the fact that it was such a powerful thing for him and then later on, after he'd passed away, his grandson found the book, also named Thomas Jefferson, because if you're the founder of the United States, you just call your children after yourself and your grandchildren. It's probably a Thomas Jefferson who's in the line of succession today. But he, he found it and he gave it to um, a, a, an organization that was collecting founding documents. And it made its way before Congress. And in 1904, the Congress of the United States, a nation that was set on the principle that church and state would be separated, that um, you know church would be one thing and the government would be another and they wouldn't impede on each other. They took these words and they thought they were so important that they, um, they put forward a resolution in the House and, and actually published it. And for the next 50 years, every member of Congress, um, every new member of Congress would be given one of these books and, and they were told that if you follow these words 
it will um, like that will do well for your life. You'll you'll be the right kind of person to lead our nation. And so there's power in just actually following his moral teachings. We love his miracles. We love when Jesus walked on water. But what if we actually just loved when he said, you know, talked about not murdering people and not looking at people and having hate in your heart and and some of the moral teachings and life application. So you have a purpose. and, And the second thing that we can see from the text is that God's plan is way bigger than you think. Write down number two today. Number one was you have a purpose. Number two, God's plan is way bigger than you think. See, as I was reading through this passage, I the two two words just really stuck out to me: the word "world" and the word "earth." Because it's you are you were the salt of the earth, light of the world. They're two. They're different. And so I thought maybe salt was, had one application and light had one application. And I was like, yes, I am about to get onto something. God's, got, you know, this is going to be all of my message. I went to the Greek text because I was like, you know, that's what you do when you're trying to figure out what a word means. And I was utterly disappointed because they basically meant the same thing. Two different words, basically the same thing. The only difference was this. Salt of the earth, earth had a um, feminine pronoun attached to it. Light of the world, world was masculine. So that one it was basically the same word. One was masculine, one was feminine. And the Bible's not saying that women are salty. But all throughout Scripture and, um, and, and in the languages of that time, one of the language devices that they would use um, to describe the entirety of something is they would tell you two ends of a spectrum or two um, opposites, and, and they would use that to describe the whole. I'll give you an example that you'll know really well. God is described as the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. And it's not that God is just first or just last, but he is first, second, third, fourth. He is everything in between. Our Bible starts with one of these. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, two opposites, two, two totally different ends of the spectrum of creation. God created everything. And so you read this, not as a person in, the, in 2019 who, you know, where gender is nothing anymore, apparently. And, and you read it from all of human history where masculine and feminine were seen as the two opposites that were used to describe almost everything. They would hear these, these words of Jesus and say, man, oh, not, not only is this for everyone, but this is for every situation. This is an all-encompassing idea. This isn't just for in church. This isn't just for in youth on a Friday night. This isn't just for in your small group. This idea of being salt and light, we can see from this here that it's way bigger than you think it is. It's actually for the marketplace. It's for your family, for your school. It's for everything. And so we can see that you have a purpose. And God's plan is way bigger then you think in number three, write this down today. You are meant to be salt and light. If you're, if you're writing with a pen and paper, underline that and. You see, God is talking about salt and he's talking about light, but he, he's actually talking about the kingdom. In fact, actually, Jesus didn't do anything but talk about the kingdom. Every Everything, every conversation he had, every teaching he, he, he said was all about the kingdom. And the reason is because 
since the fall, since the beginning of time, when there was a separation between God and man, the kingdom of heaven had been far. It had been far away. It had been distant. But for the first time in human history since that moment, the kingdom of heaven was near. It was at hand. It was they could reach out and touch it. It, was, it had come near to them. And so he, he didn't, nothing else mattered to Jesus. He didn't care about all the other things that were going on because the kingdom of heaven was near for the first time in human history. And so he's talking about the kingdom. He's using salt and he's using light. Often Jesus would say, hey, I, like I'm explaining things to you in earthly things because if I tried to explain them in heavenly things, you wouldn't understand. And so he's using salt and light to help us understand what the kingdom is like. Salt, when I use salt in the kitchen, or put it in pizza dough or whatever, put it in a chocolate cake even. Salt is subtle. It brings out the flavor of the world around it. If, you, if you've never eaten a tomato with some salt and pepper on it, you don't know what a tomato actually tastes like. I'm preaching now. Salt isn't the star of the show. It's not a teaspoon of cayenne pepper in a meal. It, it, it actually is subtle, but it pulls out the flavor. It, it pulls out the gold in, in the world around it. Do you know, when I was thinking about this, I thought about the fact that Scripture says to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. You actually have a role to play in every situation. Paul writes that I have become all things to all men. God actually wants you, like you actually... God has something for you to do in every situation you find yourself in. There's always some flavor to bring out. There's always some gold to pull out. Do you know that's what the prophetic, prophetic is? The prophetic is calling out the gold in the people around you. And so it's salt and it's light. Light is power. Light is authority. Do you know the correct response to darkness when a light is turned on is that it instantly disappears. There is no battle. There's no to and fro. There's no, you know, the light gets this far and then it gets pushed back. It is an instantaneous, um, it, it, it happens suddenly. When you walk into a room, darkness flees. You need to walk with authority and with power, with miracles. And light is public. Light is public. It is for all the world to see and one of the things that irks me about Christians, which really grinds my gears, is when I hear people say that the earth, that the church is going to get brighter and brighter and the world is going to get darker and darker. Because the only way that that happens is if we have this big light that we're, we, we, we're awesome, we're doing amazing things, miracles are taking place, but they only happen inside the four walls of the church. The only way that the church gets brighter and the world gets darker is if we stay confined within our four walls. And Jesus explicitly rebukes that in this. He says, man, people don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That's ridiculous. Why would you do that? That's a waste of time. No, they put it on a stand so that everybody can see it. Being light is public. I refuse to be pessimistic in my eschatology. I refuse to have a pessimistic view on what will happen in the end times because Jesus told us to be the light of the world. He has this view of the church that we would actually um, shine his glory. And so we're meant to be salt and light. And you don't get to be one or the other. 
You don't get to be an introvert and go, well, do you know what? I'm just salt. I just get to be the subtle, you know, subtle Christianity, you know, um, preach the gospel. How, how does it go? Preach the gospel um, always and never say anything about it. No, it's preach the gospel always and if necessary, use words. If, and so there's this, you can't just be that and you can't just be all light. You can't just be all crazy out there and all like, look at me, look at me. I'm the star of the show because you're not. Jesus is. He's a, he's the star of the show. He, do you know Jesus never calls himself salt? Jesus is all light. Jesus never calls himself salt because he's always the star of the show. That one's for free there. <laughs> so you have a purpose, and it's way, way bigger than you think. Every person has a part to play. You're meant to be salt, subtle, but effective, calling out the light, the, the, the flavor of the world around you. And you're meant to be light, bold, walking with authority, public, with your faith. If nobody around you knows that you're a Christian, like, up to, bro. And so Jesus is telling this, and then he has this pastoral care dad moment. He says, hey, look, I... Uh, like, I, I, I love this, and I, I want you to do these things. But I have to warn you about what will happen if you don't. See, when I'm in the kitchen with Oakley, if he sticks his hand into the drawer, I have to have a dad moment and, and say, hey, buddy, there's knives in there, and if you, if you grab them, it might hurt you. Or, hey, bud, there's a scissor in there, and you've got to actually be careful around this thing. Or, hey, bud, if you throw a glass on the floor, then you can't just hop off the chair because you might hurt yourself. Or, hey, buddy, you can't grab a puddle of cayenne pepper, look straight in it, and blow as hard as you can because that's going to hurt your eyes. Even just I need, to, I need to let him know that, hey, if you grab, if you grab the salt, and you turn it upside down, and you give it a big lick, it's going to make you really thirsty for the rest of the day. And so Jesus has a dad moment, and he, he's talking to these people, and he says, hey, look, I'm describing what it's like to be salt and light. But he says this. When you, this is my next point. That you Write this down. When you give up your authority, people will walk all over you. See, he's trying to warn them. He's not threatening them. He's not saying, hey, if you stop being salt, I'm going to throw you out. But he's describing the consequence of their actions. He says, when salt loses its saltiness, people are going to stop taking your faith seriously. They're going to start walking all over you. You won't be walking in authority The only way that the devil stays in the room when you walk in is if you're not being light. If you, it's not a, it's not a threat. He's not trying to, you know, be like, do this or I'm gonna beat you up. He's saying, hey, look, like I, I like I care about you, and so I'm trying to let you know that if you if you aren't being salt and you aren't being light, it's gonna have a negative impact on, on you and, and the world around you. But luckily, Jesus, he's, he's all about second chances. Because you might be here this morning being like, man, Dan, that is me. I am like some saltless salt. But I believe what we're going to do in a moment is we're going to stand and, and we're going to lift our hands and we're going to sing 
And, and I believe that in that moment, people are going to get their salt back. Some people here are going to get their light on. You're going to feel the fire inside you. You're going to be like, oh, man, this is, I, I forgot what it felt like to be salt again. And, and, and it's going to be a powerful moment, and I'm looking forward to it. But I do have one more point before we get there. See, Jesus lays out the whole thing. He says, man, you have a purpose. I've got a plan for your life, and this is for everyone. And not only that, but it's way bigger than you think. It's for every situation in your life. It's for you in church, but it's, it's mainly for you in the business place, and in your school, in your workplace, with your boss, and your, all of these interactions. And if, you, if you're not doing this, there, there are negative consequences, not because I'm punishing you, but because that, like, this is the way you were made. And then he gives us his why. He gives us and he explains his heart behind why we are meant to be salt and light. And he says this in verse 15, Neither do people put a light, a lamp under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is, this is what he's saying, and the, the worship team can come and join me. Salt and light are the ingredients for revival. Write, down, write that down today. Number five, salt and light are the ingredients for revival. Hear me now. This is what, what, what I, uh, he's saying in this. He's saying, in the same way, this is what he says. So like the lamp that was put publicly for people to see, in that same way, let your light shine before others. He's speaking to you today, he's speaking to Christians, he's speaking to his followers, and so he's saying, let your light shine before others. So the others must be those who do not yet know him, people who have not yet been saved, people who are, who, who, who are not in relationship with God. He says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. They would see you being salt. They would see you being light. They would see you bringing out the flavor in the world around you. They would see you walking in authority. And then he says this, when they see that, when they see the church being that, then they will glorify my Father in heaven, which is a bit of a leap for me because it, that doesn't make sense because in a moment he went from non-Christians, others, people who don't know God, seeing your light and then they will glorify. And then he jumps straight to, they glorify my Father in heaven. And the Bible also says this, that oh, Jesus says of himself, only I have seen the Father. No one else has seen him. Only I've seen him and the people whom I have revealed him to through salvation. And so this is actually a salvation moment. He's saying, hey, when, pe when people see you being salt and light, them glorifying God is in response to a salvation moment that took place, that there is actually the ingredients for revival and being salt and light. The work of salvation in that moment has taken place and Jesus moves from a teaching just for that line he moves from teaching them about being salt and light and he begins to prophesy he actually begins to prophesy those that were the others glorifying God that there was a he starts to prophesy salvation 
and revival. Would you stand with me today? Stand like you mean it, nice and quick. Yeah, that's good. Jump up and down a wee bit if you need to. I believe in this moment there are people here who are feel like the salt that lost its saltiness that's been thrown out and you're like, man, I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And what, I, what I'd love you to do is actually, and we're, we're all going to do this together because we're, we're in this together. But what I want to do is I want us all to lift our hands up high and, and, and not just like this, not just like, you know, like, but actually let's lift our hands up intentionally high. Let's lift them up to God. And, and I want to pray for you. And then we're going to sing together. And in this moment, something is going to shift in your life. And the salt is going to, your, your salt is going to get so, salty again. Your light is going to get light, bright again. And I believe God is going to do something. So we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God will move through this place right now. Jesus, we thank you that you are here. Jesus, we thank you that you are the light of the world. And right now, God, you are you are establishing that in, in, in your people, God. I thank you that you would you would help us to turn up the light. You would help us to, uh, to be salt and light in the world around us, God. We invite you, Holy Spirit. We invite you to come right now. We invite you, Holy Spirit. Come on, why don't we sing this together, church? See, we're, we're talking about salt and we're talking about light. But like Jesus here today, we are talking about the kingdom of God. See, when, when Oakley and I are making pizza, we could get all the ingredients right. We could get the right amount of flour and water and, and the right amount of salt. But if we miss those few granules of yeast, then the whole thing is wasted. We have to start. I, I've done that before, and I had to start over from scratch. And Jesus describes the kingdom of God like this in Luke 13. He says this, What else is the kingdom of God like? It is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. And you might be here today and say, man, I hear you. I hear what you're saying, Mitch, and, 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 I, and, and I so want to agree with you that, that, that me being light and me being salt is effective. But I feel like I've just got a little bit. I feel like I've just got a few granules of salt, a little bit of light. Uh, you, you're singing the, this little light of mine to yourself at night. But I want to tell you that it doesn't matter when it comes to the kingdom. It doesn't matter if it's just a little bit when it comes to the kingdom. See, God says that just a little bit of the kingdom mixed through the whole of society would make the whole thing rise. A little bit of the kingdom in the school, a little bit of the kingdom in the education system, a little bit of the kingdom in your workplace, in your family, in, in, in every area of life will make the whole of society rise. So come on, somebody, why don't we give God some praise that it doesn't matter whether you've just got a little bit, doesn't matter whether it's just a tiny bit of salt in your hand, but God is going to use it. He is going to move, and we're going to see this nation shaken. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social
social media.